We're going to end uh, our series today, our Messiah series, uh, with um, just spending some time wrapping up what it means for Christ to be our Messiah. For what it, mean, what it means for God to have sent his son, a deliverer, an anointed one, a, a rescuer, a savior for you and for me. Uh, the Messiah was prophesied hundreds of years before Jesus was born. And we've been spending time in the prophecy of Isaiah. Uh, and Isaiah, the prophet, 700 years before Jesus was born, said, Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. He said, And the government will be upon his shoulders, and you will call his name Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And then the last one he said is, You're going to call him the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Let's pray and then we'll dive right into our sermon today. Father, we invite you here. We invite you by the power of your Holy Spirit into our hearts and into this place. We ask that you would uh, enlighten our hearts, uh, open our hearts, break open through the callousness and the, and the frustration and the stress uh, of our lives and just invade us with the presence of the Prince of Peace in our hearts today. Uh, we invite you in. We welcome you. Uh, and I pray that this sermon would be a nourishing to each and every one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And somebody said, Amen. 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 Um, this Friday was my kids' last day of school. It was the, the last day of school before the winter break. And uh, for those of you who have kids, you know, kids are hyped at the end of, you know, at the end, at the end of the school semester. They're hyped. They're ready to get out of there. Uh, and on top of that, we also had, uh, my kids had uh, what's called a, a winter ball. And a winter ball is they get out there and they all wear, you know, nice clothes and they get out and dance and have like a little party at their school. So they're kind of hyped up and excited about the winter ball. And it's the end of the school year, uh, uh, the, the semester. And so, you know, there's just a lot of, I would say, there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of excitement and there's a little bit of worry. Am, am I going to do it right at the winter ball? Am I going to dance right? Am I going to, you know, so there was some, you know, there was some emotion there. Um, I woke up on Friday morning with a little bit of, uh, normally, let me put it like this. Normally I wake up very early and I, and I pray and I read the scripture. I start my day the right way. Normally. Friday I woke up. I was, I got up a little bit late and instead of opening the word of God, I opened my Twitter account. Um, so there's nothing that, that, that prohibits you from, from experiencing the peace of God like reading Twitter first thing in the morning. I mean, it just, it does not facilitate peace, the peace of God that passes understanding. So I was already a little, you know, sideways and I come down and we're getting the kids ready and everybody and we're running a little bit late and then it was just like a series of events. Uh, one of my kids, uh, I, won't, I won't name who, uh, one of my kids um, couldn't find his dress shoes. He only had one dress shoe, and he couldn't find the other dress shoe. And he, how many of you know only finding one shoe is worse than finding zero shoes? Because you're like halfway there, and you're like, I, I, if I could just find... So, so he was a little bit worried, and, and my other kids were... One of my kids wasn't get, didn't get out of bed on time, and uh, one of my kids... Uh, who will remain unnamed, uh, started demanding her waffles very loudly uh, and, you know, pounding on the table. So there was already some, there was just a little bit of tension in the house. 
And I was already a little bit stressed out. So, so I, I did that thing that maybe some of you do uh, where you don't want to yell, but I call it whisper yelling. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Whisper yelling where you, where you raise the intensity level, but you don't raise the decibel level. Does anybody know where you're like, listen, kids, and you're whispering, but it's strongly, right? So I got into the whisper yelling mode and I was like, okay, here's what's going to happen. You guys, you're going to get your shoes on. I don't care what shoes they are. You're going to get your shoes on. You're going to eat your waffles. We had the waffle maker that only makes one waffle at a time, one waffle at a time. So I, I took the rest of the batter. I just made pancakes with the rest. I just forget the while you're going to get a little piece of waffle on them. So I, and I'm whisper yelling, we're going to get, we're going to get dressed. We're going to get out of the house. We're going to get in the car. We're going to get you to school. You're going to have fun at this ball. Do you hear me? It's your winter, it's your, excuse me. Do you hear me at this winter ball? So I'm whisper yelling. Uh, anyway, we finally got the whole crowd out of the house. We got in the car and we start driving to school and it's quiet in the car. It's quiet. And it's not peaceful in the car. It's just quiet. And finally, my oldest son, Jameson, turns to me and he goes, are you doing okay, dad? <laughs> he's, he's a very high emotional intelligence. Uh, and I'm like, yes, I'm fine. <laughs> Twitching. I'm like, I'm fine. Why do you ask? And he says, well, you know, you seem a little stressed out. So today I thought I would preach a sermon called, you seem a little stressed out. Anybody with me this morning? Anybody experienced some stress leading into the holidays? Anybody, you know, I mean, this is the time of year where it's like the peace of God and the Prince of Peace and, and the first Noel and silent night and, and all of that. And yet it is the most intensely stressful period. We, we, maybe some of you are like, I just don't have time to get it all done. I'm trying to get the tree up. I'm trying to get the lights up. I'm trying to move the elf from this shelf to this shelf. And I got to get all these things situated. I got to get the gifts. I got it all wrapped. I got to get it good, right? Some of you are feeling stressed because of money. You're just, you, you, it's like the end of the year. Bank account is running dry. You got to get the gifts. You want things to be nice. You're struggling. Can't figure it out, right? But some of you, it's, it's family dynamics. It's just like you're going to have to sit down at that table. And you're going to have to sit across from that person. And you're just going to have to listen. And then you have to figure out what to say and you have to figure out what not to say and you're going to have to just work it out and there's stress, right? In fact, uh, sociologists that study this sort of thing, they call it, they call it festive stress. I, I don't know if that, I don't know if I agree with the, the, the description. I don't know how festive the stress is, but I think I know what they mean. Festive stress, they have found that 69% of people around the holidays uh, feel stressed by uh, a lack of time, a perceived lack of time. I just don't have enough time to get it done. Uh, 69% are stressed by a perception of a lack of money. We don't have enough money to get this done. We got to get all the things. We're on Amazon.com. We got to just get it all done. 51% uh, feel stressed by the pressure to give or get gifts. 45% would literally prefer to skip, skip Christmas altogether. They're just like, could we just get over the hump? Could we just get... In fact, the researchers who have studied this, this is a true fact. They have determined that festive stress begins to go down, it begins to decrease at 2.05 p.m. on Christmas Day. I guess that's like when the average family either stops or starts opening gifts or whatever. But the, but the, so there is a, you have a finish line, people. All right, you're welcome. 2.05 p.m., I'll text you and I'll be like, 
you seem a little stressed out. Uh, if, 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 if at 205 you're not, you're not done being stressed out on Christmas Day, um, then just come to our 25 days of prayer, fasting, and fitness, and we'll work it all out for you, okay? Uh, a lot of holiday complaints that, that they have noted through surveys uh, are, are statements like this. I can't get it all done. I can't afford this. This isn't how I thought it would be. A lot of times we have expectations of what the holidays are supposed to be and the dinner is supposed to be just right and I'm supposed to look just right. I'm supposed to have the right sweater and all this and it just doesn't work out. I'm lonely. A lot of people are, feel isolated on Christmas, um, even if they're married. Uh, but single people, a lot of times, it's like there's a loneliness because you look around and everybody seems to be in good cheer and you know you feel all alone. I hate crowds. I hate lines. I hate traffic. I agree with the. I, I agree with the last two. I like crowds, but the lines and traffic I could do without. My family drives me crazy. Is a common complaint. Your family drives me crazy. Is a common complaint. Not of anybody in this church. All the in-laws that are visiting today. This is not you. Um, it's all too much. I'm just exhausted. You know, this is this is the experience of the overwhelmingly high percentage of Americans when it comes to Christmas time and the Christmas season. And, and, and I want to ask, like, are we missing something? Are we missing something? If this is our experience at Christmas, when the Messiah is our Prince of Peace, are we missing something? You know, I, my favorite Christmas song is a silent night. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, mother and child, holy infant, tender and mild, and then sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. And I just, I, I wonder how many of us are sleeping in heavenly peace around the Christmas time. I think so many of us are filled with anxiety and we're filled with stress and we're filled with all this tension and, and all of this kind of, just, just, just conflict in our hearts and in our minds. And yet the scripture says that the Messiah will come and you will know him because he will be the prince of peace. That word in the Hebrew is interesting. It's Sar Shalom, which means basically Sar means like the chief, the leader, the captain, the general. He, he's in charge. And then Shalom is, you know, completeness and calm and fullness and, and, and the scripture is teaching us that Jesus is really, he's the captain of our, of our peace. He's the captain of, of, of the peace that we experience in our life. So I wonder if we're not experiencing that, why we're not experiencing the Prince of Peace in our hearts and in our lives. It's interesting when Jesus came and he started talking about peace, he actually, he actually gave what I would call some mixed messages at, at one point uh, when he started preaching about peace because one of the strangest and, and most controversial statements that he makes about peace in the Gospels, he, he says this, and I just find this quote to be fascinating. He says, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I mean, that's just a strange thing. Don't assume that I've come to bring peace. I did not come to bring peace, he said. I came to bring a sword. So I read that scripture and I go, but wait a minute. I mean, first it says you're going to be the prince of peace. And then you come and you say, I haven't come to bring peace. I've come to bring a sword. And then just to make it even more confusing, then he says this. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. And then he says, let your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. troubled neither let them be 
afraid. So we have this paradox where Jesus at one point says, I didn't come to bring peace, I came to bring a sword. And then in another scripture he says, I came to bring peace, and I'm here to bring peace. And he's called the Prince of Peace. So then my question is, all right, so, so which is it? Like, how do I, this is a paradox. How do I work this thing out? There's a difference between, if you don't know, there's a difference between a contradiction and a paradox. Contradiction is when two things are in exact opposite of each other. A paradox is when two things appear to be in exact opposite of each other. But then when you really begin to explore it, there's a way that they actually work together. And what I think Jesus is saying when he says, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. And then he says, I came to bring peace but not as the world gives. What I think he's saying is this. I think he's saying that peace comes with a price. I think he's saying that there's a price for peace. And I'm not coming to bring the kind of peace that you think that you might think I'm coming to bring. I'm not coming to kind to bring the kind of peace that the world brings. The world brings an artificial peace. Uh, if we start looking for peace in things other than God, if we start looking for peace in uh, what we have, if we start looking for peace in our relationships, like that's how we're going to find peace through somebody else. If we start trying to find peace through pleasures or through uh, vacations or through whatever it is, that's not the kind of peace he's going to bring. In fact, he says, I'm actually bringing a sword. If you think I'm going to bring that kind of peace where it's just this sort of veneer of artificial harmony, that's not the kind of peace I came to bring. In the car, when I was in the car with the kids, we had an artificial peace for a minute. We had that kind of, it was the quiet, but it wasn't peaceful. How many of you ever been in a situation where it's quiet, right? But underneath there, the tension is there. It's just, in fact, nobody wants it to erupt. And so nobody's going to say anything. But the reality is it is not peaceful. It's, it's just right under the surface. And Jesus is saying, I, I came to bring a different kind of peace. I, kind, I came to br bring the kind of peace that requires brutal honesty, total righteousness, absolute justice, absolute holiness. I, I'm coming to bring real peace. I'm coming to bring true peace. I'm coming to bring the kind of peace that passes all understanding. One of the commentators wrote this about uh, the artificial peace that the, that the world brings. Alex, Alex, uh, Alexander McLaren said, the peace that the earth gives is a poor affair at best. It is shallow. It's a very thin plating over a depth of restlessness. I love that phrase. A thin plating over a depth of restlessness is like some skin of turf on a volcano where a foot below the surface, sulfurous fumes roll and hellish turbulence seethes. That is the kind of rest that the world brings. In other words, it's no peace at all. It's not real peace. A lot of us look for that kind of peace and Jesus says, I'm, I'm coming to bring the sword to that kind of peace. I'm going to come and bring you real peace. I'm going to come and bring you true peace, a peace that lasts not just for a minute, not just for an hour. It lasts eternally. See, we look at peace from the outside. We actually start from think we start thinking about peace from the outside and go inward. So we might start by saying what I really want is interpersonal peace, interpersonal. In other words, I just want I just want us to get along. I just want us to not fight. I just want us to to not argue and fuss. I just want peace externally, right? That's what some of us mean when we say peace. We just, we just want things to be calm. We just want things to be okay. 
right? And then if we decide, okay, we're going to get a little bit deeper, then maybe I'll, I'll ask for some personal peace. We, this is the peace that, that I need that helps me to sleep at night, where I'm not anxious and worried just inside of my own heart and inside of my own soul. And then if I really have a lot of extra energy, then maybe I'll seek for divine peace. Maybe I'll reach out and try to get close to God. Maybe I'll check in at church and get a little more, uh, uh, you know, a, a little more Jesus in me. And then I'll have some of that. But Jesus says, no, I, I, I'm flipping this, this whole dynamic upside down. You cannot have interpersonal peace and you cannot have personal peace unless you first have divine peace. Divine peace is peace with God. Peace with God. In other words, your relationship with God, there's got to be peace there before there can be peace anywhere else. This is where it begins. It begins with you experiencing peace with God. When you are outside of the peace, the peace that comes from God, then you cannot experience peace in your life. You cannot bring peace to anybody else. You've got to experience peace with God first. You've got to be in his presence. You've got to be plugged into his person to experience that kind of peace. Uh, there's a I came across this. I don't know how I found this, but there's a, a, a fish, a silver carp, a species of fish called a silver carp. And when a, when a silver carp gets nervous uh, or anxious, like if it hears a motorboat going by, it makes it nervous. And for whatever reason, this, this specific species of fish, they, then when they get nervous, they jump out of the water and they jump really high out of the water. Um, and they just come flying up out of the water. I actually got a picture of one of these guys for you today. This is a, this, this guy right here. This is a silver carp. When a motorboat goes by and there's a silver carp there and they hear this, anything that causes them stress, for whatever reason, they jump out of the water. But the problem is often when they jump out of the water because they're disturbed by the stress, they end up landing in the boat that is causing them the anxiety. And when they're outside of the water and in the boat, how many of you know that does not calm them down? If you've ever seen a fish flopping around on the bottom of a boat, it's not a peaceful, serene scene. The, the fish is unhappy. The fish is stressed out because it's out of sorts with where it's supposed to be. It's not connected with where it's supposed to be. It's not in the presence of the stream. It's not in the water where it's supposed to be. I actually just got one more picture of one of these guys just because, just because. I just thought that one, you might need that one as a, as a mood booster for just a minute. Okay, you can take that down. Uh, you and I, we get doubly stressed when we are not in, when we're not experiencing peace with God when we're not in his presence, when we're not in the stream of his spirit, when we're not in the flow of his power for our life, we get out of sync with him. And now we're not only just a little troubled, we're flopping around in life, trying to work things out, trying to do things on our own, trying to figure it out. And we can't get there. We can't experience peace when we do not have peace with God. So the question for us is, how do I actually, how do I gain peace with God? How do I get peace with God? Because we know this. If God is a perfect and just God, then that means any kind of injustice, any kind of sin, any kind of brokenness in me is, 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 is not going to be at peace with a perfect God. So how do I get peace with God? The scripture says this. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God. God, 
I want you to get this for a minute. I want you to stick with me. I want this to be a moment for you this morning. We experience peace with God by putting our faith in Christ. The scripture teaches us that we are at enmity with God. When we're born, we are in conflict with God. We have sin in our life. We cannot have peace with God. But when, when, when we put our faith in Jesus, that resolves the enmity, that resolves the conflict. We are no longer at war with God. We have peace with God. And how do we do that? It's a matter of faith. Scripture says it's a matter of faith. When we put our faith in him, we're justified by faith. And when we do that, we have peace with God. Uh, think of it like this. And this is, this is gospel 101, okay? This is, this is what Jesus came to do. He came to pay the price for your peace. Are you with me this morning? He came because you were not, you and I were not at peace with God. We were in conflict with God. It would, it would be as if we owed God. Like if, if the IRS sent you a letter and said, you owe us $100,000, there would be conflict there, right? You would not be at peace with the IRS. Are you with me this morning? You wouldn't be at peace. But then if somebody came along and said, I'll tell you what, let me write that check. I'm going to pay that $100,000. Now you are at peace with the IRS because somebody intervened on your behalf and paid your debt. Jesus came to this world to, to, to pay your debt. He came to bring peace between you and God. And we experience that peace by putting our faith in Jesus. By putting our faith in him, the scripture says we are justified by faith. We are saved by grace through what? Through faith. That puts an end to the war between us and God. Somebody, this is your message. Like this is the end of your message. Somebody today has been at war with God. You've been at enmity with God. You've been in conflict with God. You don't know how to get out of conflict with God. And I'm coming to tell you by the word of God, through his word, by the power of the spirit, the way to get out of conflict with God is to put your faith in Jesus. I pray somebody puts their faith in Jesus today. They've been thinking about it. You've been wondering about it. You've been praying about it. Maybe you've been reading. You know, that happens. People come to church a lot of times and they go, you know, I didn't come here as a Christian, but something about the word of God in my heart says makes me want to put my faith in Jesus and they put their faith in Jesus and they leave here a follower of Jesus. My prayer for somebody is that that happens to you today. Now, many of us have already done that and probably most of us have done that. I mean, I, I don't presume to know where everybody is in their faith journey, but a lot of us have done that. A lot of us actually have peace with God. So actually we have faith in Jesus. So we don't, we're not at war with God anymore, right? So we have divine peace, but for whatever reason, we don't have personal peace. We still don't, we don't, we don't feel the peace. In other words, we don't have the peace of God. There's a difference between peace with God and the peace of God. Peace with God means the war is over. The peace of God means you realize the war is over. And now you are living in peace. You have the peace of God which passes understanding. Some of us, I believe, as followers of Jesus, are not experiencing the peace that we are allowed to experience or permitted to experience because even though the war is over and even though God has no beef with us because he has forgiven us by the sacrifice of his son, we put our faith in Jesus. He's not mad at us. He's not angry at us. 
but we still don't have the peace inside because we don't realize that the war is over. We're still trying to prove our worth. We're still trying to fight for our righteousness. We're still trying to prove that we're okay. And so we don't have peace. We have turmoil. We have, we have anxiety. We have stress in our soul. There was a, a 1944, World War II, there was a, a Japanese soldier, and some of you may know this story, uh, that was assigned. He was a, a Japanese Army intelligence officer. Hiro Onada was his name. And he was assigned to an island in the Philippines to fight uh, during World War II uh, in 1944. He landed on this island. He met up with the, the other soldiers on the island, the other Japanese soldiers, and they commenced to fight. They were in the middle of the battle, uh, in the middle of the war. Well, in 1945, uh, the war ended and um, some, some uh, leaflets were dropped onto the islands in the Philippines that said, hey guys, Japanese soldiers, uh, the war's over. So you guys can come out now and, you know, it's, it's done. Well, Hiro Onada and his fellow brothers, his fellow soldiers, read these leaflets, had a discussion among themselves and said, this is allied propaganda. We don't believe this. We believe that this is a trick. And so they didn't realize the war was over. And so they kept fighting. So for a few months, Hiro and his, the, the other soldiers, the other Japanese soldiers, kept fighting even though the war was actually over. Over the course of the next few months, um, some of the soldiers died in, the, in skirmishes that they had because people would literally try to come to them. They were in the hills in the Philippines. And people would come to them and say, hey guys, war is over. And they would be like, trick of the enemy and they would engage in gun battles and so some of the soldiers died others of others of the soldiers said well maybe the war is over and they just left they defected and they left Hiro Onada turned out to be the the last guy on this island who refused to believe that the war was over and so for several months he up in the mountains up in the hills by himself kept fighting a war that had already ended he was still a soldier even though there was no war going on and the reality is, he actually, you can look this up, he fought for another year, and then he actually fought for another year, and then they began to drop more leaflets saying, hey, hero, no, for real, the war is over. And then they actually began to drop, like, personal uh, effects, like pictures and, and written notes from his family members. Hero, the war literally, it's over, it's over, and he refused to believe it. He kept fighting. He fought for two years. He fought for five years. He fought for 10 years. He fought for 15 years, 20 years, 25 years. In 1975, 30 years after the war had ended, finally the Japanese army sent his uh, commanding officer to the Philippines to go up into the hills and say, Hero, you remember me? Do you trust me? The war is over. Here's a picture of Hiro Onada. This is a true story. You look this up. 30 years he fought a war that was over. Followers of Jesus, sometimes we need to spend some time with our commanding officer, the prince of our peace, so that we can recognize and realize that, hey, the war is over, okay? The peace of God that passes all understanding is available to you. You don't have to keep fighting. How do we experience that the same way that Hero did? We got to spend some time with the one who tells us, the one that we trust, the one that we follow. The scripture says it like this. It says, uh, he will keep you, uh, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. 
You keep him in perfect peace who focuses attention and focuses his mind and focuses his love and focuses his prayers on the one who is our prince of peace. So just as for us to experience peace with God is a matter of faith, for us to experience peace, the peace of God is a matter of focus. Where are you putting your mind? Where are you directing your heart? Where are you directing your thoughts? Because the, the quickest way to lose your peace is to start off your Friday morning, not in the word of God, but by opening your Twitter account or by opening your Facebook account. Don't focus on, on the things that will not bring you peace. He'll, he will keep those in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon him. Here's a, another scripture that says this. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. Don't be stressed. Don't be freaked out about anything. Okay? About anything. Doesn't matter what it is. But in every situation, every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God. This is different than the peace with God. You already got that. But the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, spend some time with your commanding officer. Spend some time communicating with him. Focus on his word. Focus on praying to him. This is why I really genuinely, deeply do urge you to come out in January for the 25, the mere small 25 days of prayer, fasting, and fitness. Because if you will start off your year focusing your heart, your mind, your soul, your body on the things of God, spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, spending time with his people, spending time with your brothers and sisters, it brings a peace that passes understanding. It really does bring a peace that passes understanding. And that's where I think most of us are today. We already have, many of us already have that peace with God, but we need to experience that, the peace of God. And the real reason, not just for us, the reason that we need to experience the peace of God is that so we can be agents of what we call interpersonal peace. This is the final step, not the first step. This is the last step, and that's peace with others. Jesus actually calls us to be agents of peace, to be brokers of peace, to be arbiters of peace, to, to, to be leading the... In other words, as the prince of peace, if he's the captain of peace, if he's the chief of peace, he doesn't sprinkle peace on earth like a fairy dust. He uses his followers to bring peace. That's you and me. We are... Get this. I really want you to get this. We're his plan A for bringing peace on earth. I mean, that's crazy. We're his plan A. There is no plan B. How is he going to bring peace on earth? Through you. You're the one. You and I are the, are the agents of peace. We're the ones who bring peace. In fact, he said this. Jesus preached. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. He's saying, look, I will bring peace on earth through you. I'm the prince of peace. In order for you to bring peace, I need you to have the peace with God so that you can have the peace of God so that you can bring peace with other people so that you can be, you can, you know, peace comes with a price. It doesn't come with just a veneer. You have to be agents of justice 
Agents of righteousness, agents of truth and holiness and power. That's what he's calling us to be, right? He says, if you'll do that, you'll be called the sons of God. In other words, it's a matter of family. It's a matter of you and I recognizing other people, the people that we may or may not agree with, the people who may tick us off on Twitter, the people who we might have trouble sitting down across the table with, and seeing them as family, as true daughters and sons of God. He's calling us to be the agents of peace on the planet. This is what peace on earth is about. It doesn't happen by some just wave the wand miracle. It happens through us. Anybody with me this morning? My, when I was in ninth grade, I'm gonna close with this, Gary. When I was, in, when I was a freshman in high school, um, my teacher and my mom and my dad had a parent-teacher conference. And my ninth grade teacher said, you know, um, here's what I want to tell you about Brent. She says, he is, he's an influencer in the classroom. And then she kind of let that hang out there for a minute. <laughs> influencer is a neutral term. You know what I mean? She says, he's, he's an influencer in the classroom. And then she expanded a little bit. She said, you know, he can be an influencer for good. <laughs> and then other times, not so much, okay? She said, you know, when, he's, when he is, you know, tracking and with me and then he's doing, you know, he's in a good frame of mind, it's, he's helpful because he has influence. And, and, but then when he's not, then it actually kind of derails the class and then I got to give him a hall pass and send him off to go spend time somewhere else, right? The reality is, is that Jesus is saying to us today, uh, you're the influencers on the planet. We can be influencers for good. We can be influencers for bad, but we're called to be peacemakers, bringers of righteousness, bringers of justice, agents of hope, agents of reconciliation on the planet. That's what he's calling us to. This is a higher call. This is why peace never ends with me. And it never ends with you. It doesn't end with like, well, I just, you know, I'm happy. So whatever, right? He's saying, look, I want you to experience a profound new kind of peace, an everlasting peace. It begins with you and I having the peace with God that we've never we could never experience on our own. We could never gain on our own. We can't, we don't have the power to achieve it. We don't deserve it. We put our faith in Jesus and he makes us right with God. He gives us peace with God. And when we fully comprehend that and begin to understand that and begin to focus on him, then we begin to have the peace of God that passes understanding. Man, we take a deep breath and our life starts to reorient Somebody gently picks up the silver carp and puts him back in the stream so he can have peace, right? Somebody comes and says, hey, the war is over. You can have peace with God, right? You can have the peace of God. And then we become the agent of peace, that interpersonal peace. We become, I believe that when we get this as a church family, and we are getting it, and we are doing it, I just, I'm just going to reiterate it. Our mission is to bring people and God together in love. Our mission is to bring real peace on the earth, real righteousness, 
Not artificial harmony, but something real and something powerful. I want that for each and every one of us today. I want us to clear out. I want this Christmas to be the most peaceful Christmas you've ever experienced. The anxiety, let it fade away. The struggle, fade away. The worries about money and time and all that, let that go. Let's put our minds and our hearts on the Prince of Peace this Christmas. Can we do that as a church family? Would you close your eyes? I would love for us to sing that song together. Just one phrase of that song, Silent Night. Silent Night. Sing it out loud. Holy Night. All is calm. Heavenly Father, we open our heart to you today. I pray for each and every person who is experiencing anxiety, turmoil, stress, pain in their life right now. I pray for those who have never experienced peace with you. They've struggled, they've rebelled, they've fought. They don't know what it feels like to have a relationship with you. I pray that they would make a commitment today to follow you and turn their hearts over to you. I pray for each and every person here today who is a follower of you. You are their prince of peace, but they don't realize the war is over and so they still have turmoil in their soul. And you're saying, don't be anxious about anything. But by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which passes understanding will guard your heart and mind pray for those of us who are in that state that we would just turn our focus on you turn our heart to you turn our mind to you focus upon you so that we could become agents of peace on this planet we could be true peace bringers in our world in our city in our country let us be different from all the noise all the madness let us be the real thing let us walk down a different path let us be followers of you let us bring the real peace, not the peace that the world brings, but the true peace of your power and of your presence, of your word and of your truth. I pray this to your honor and to your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.